Good morning. Good morning. It's lovely just to gather together. I feel quite moved already as we've worshipped together, as we've sung, as we've praised, as we've listened. I sense God's with us this morning. He always promises to be with us, isn't it? But there's times when God goes, come on, I'm with you, I'm for you, I've got a word for you. And I felt that as I've prepared this week, in a busy week where I've dug into God's word, I've gone, Lord, thank you for speaking to me. Thank you for challenging me. You will be challenged this morning. If we have ears to hear, as it says at the end of this passage, we're going to be challenged. And I sense as we've been through these letters that we have been challenged. Today we're doing the last of our seven letters that we've been looking at. And today is Dear Church. Here's the letter we're receiving to this church at Laodicea. I stand at the door and knock. And today... We're going to hear the knock from Jesus. And Jesus is going to go, what are you going to do with that knock? What are you going to do? That's where we're going today. And it's challenging. These words are often really positive words that we've heard lots of times. We've heard probably phrases like lukewarm and I stand at the door and knock. So this letter is probably one of the most famous of the seven. And I'm really pleased that God's been speaking to us as his church As we've read these letters to the churches, we've been on this journey, haven't we, around the seven churches. And here we are, we're landing today at Laodicea. I wonder, uh, having been here for the last probably nine weeks, because you remember we did two weeks just on who is Jesus, this Jesus that's writing these letters to us, the Alpha and the Omega, the Amen, as we heard again this morning, the one who is the first and the last. I wonder, what's, what's Jesus been saying to you these last eight weeks? What's he been saying to you? What's been challenging you? Has it been some of the wake up? Is it the, I know you're poor and you're struggling, but you're rich? I don't know. What are the things that have really spoken to you? I'll let you ponder that just for a second. And maybe at the end of today, there'll be something else for us to ponder John, who's writing these letters, receiving this revelation from Jesus, writes these words at the beginning. These are the words of the Amen, the faithful one. Jesus is the faithful one, the one who can be relied on. He can be trusted. He's the one, he goes on to say, with the authority over creation. Jesus is our faithful witness. He's the one who stands with us and goes, I've got you. I'm going to witness and say, this is my child, this is my son, my daughter, the one whom I love. And yet Jesus, the faithful witness, also has got some strong words for us to hear today as well. He is the one that sees through the shallow outwardness of this church at Laodicea. And he calls a spade a spade. And he calls that to me this morning as I've read this. And he's going to call it to us. These words aren't easy to hear, but my prayer is that we have hearts that are open this morning. So I'm going to pray, and then we'll go for it together. Lord Jesus, thank you that you've been speaking to us, your people, through your words these last eight weeks. Thank you, Jesus, that you are the Alpha and Omega, the first and the last. Lord, you've spoken into each of these contexts of different things that are going on in these churches, Lord, and I relate to so many of them. And Lord, I say to you afresh this morning, I'm open to hear all that you've got for me. May I hear your words of love, 
but may I hear your words of faithful witness and truth speaking to me today. Come, Lord Jesus, speak to your people. We're ready to hear, Lord. Amen. 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 So, a bit more map time. We like a bit of map time. We've enjoyed that these last few weeks. Laodicea is this bursting economic centre. You can see it there. It's sort of tucked in on a crossroads. And you've got Colossae, that other letter, actually, um, the letter that Paul wrote to Colossae as well. We don't know where that is, but they said swap letters with Colossae and hold on to these truths that you're hearing. And so you can see they're on these trade routes. Hey, what do we know about trade routes? It's going to be a vibrant city. It's a place of economic growth. It's bustling. It's a banking commerce. It's in that modern-day Turkey realm at the moment, on the crossroads of two wealthy cities all around it. And then if we look at some of the buildings, this is what remains today of Laodicea. You can see it was set out on a grid, this two square miles of organised grid-like pattern that you can see on the left. It was, had the largest stadium. It had two theatres, four baths, five agoras, five fountains, long colonnaded streets, impressive temples, and a myriad of churches and basilicas. Whoa, this was an impressive place. And also, it was a place of trade. Um, it was known for its black wool. That's what gave it lots of wealth. This luxurious gowns that people would strut around in to say, hey, look at me, I've arrived, I've appeared, I have wealth. They were also known for their healing properties. They had uh, invented and created this eye salve, you know, like eye drops. So the people would come to them for the medicinal healing. These factors meant they were financially successful. So much so that when an earthquake hit in 60 or 61 AD, the Laodiceans were so proud, they went, oh no, we don't need any help from the Roman Empire. This is what one of the officials recorded. He said this, one of the most famous cities of Asia, Asia, Laodicea, was in the same year overthrown by an earthquake. and Without any relief, from us, from the Roman Empire, recovered by itself and its own resources. They relied on their own wealth, their prosperity, all that they had. We don't need any help. We don't need any help, they said. We're quite rich enough, thank you. We can sort ourselves out. That tells you a lot about the church that is in Laodicea, how they've been influenced by that proud, self-reliant way of being. And so we start to see what the church is like. So I just want to ask you, what kind of drink do you like? What are your preferences on drinks? I'm smiling at my wife upstairs. My wife is strange. I'm going to say that on record. I'm allowed. She doesn't drink hot drinks. What is that about? No hot drinks. No tea, no coffee. She's trying to make herself be adult and drink chai latte every now and then, but I don't think that counts. How crazy is that? Hands up. Who is a hot drink person that would just, ah, oh, default, hot drinks? Yes. What about those people that love their cold drinks? Ice cold, lovely, cool drinks, yeah. My father-in-law's here this morning. He's a big tea and coffee drinker. 
and he doesn't drink alcohol or beer, but I've been on holiday to Spain. I've been looking at this this morning and thinking, oh, I'm there. I'm with you again, Harry, on the beach in Spain, looking out in Spain. He will have a pint of San Miguel when he's on holiday. Cold, dripping, those ice, oh, beautiful, refreshing all the way down. It's the only time I see him have a drink is when he's on holiday in Spain. However, what do we know about our church in Laodicea? We know that although they're really rich, they're struggling with their water supply. One of their water supplies comes from Harry Polis. Harry Harry Polis, not that one. You saw it on the map, slightly north of them, mountainous place, lots of minerals. Even the cliffs are covered with what looks like snow, but that is salt deposits and minerals. So by the time the water reached them, guess what? Tastes grim, tastes salty, sulphur-like, undrinkable. The other water source is 11 miles away in Colossae, but it's got to come through long pipes. Beautiful, cold mountain streams running 11 miles through warm Turkish air. Guess how lovely and warm it is when it gets there? It's warm. You know when you're trying to run your tap on a hot day and trying to get hot, cold water and it just doesn't come? The church is lukewarm. It's neither hot nor cold. The word Laodicean is even in the dictionary as this word that is, sort of stands for lukewarmness. This kind of, Neh. this kind of, <coughs> really? You're Laodicean. You're not hot, you're not cold. You're just, Neh. <laughs> that's the people of Laodicea. That's how they've become as a church. Jesus says this of them in their lukewarmness. I know your deeds that you're neither hot nor cold. I wish that you were one or the other. I wish that you were hot so that you could be useful for bathing. I wish that you were cold, soothing, like that beer in Spain. So because you are lukewarm, you're neither hot nor cold. I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. The Greek is actually stronger. I'm going to vomit you. I'm going to spew you out. You're horrid. Get out, you're lukewarm, you're... Jesus says of us today, I know your deeds. (laughs) Jesus, we say that you're welcome. Come Lord, we, we long to see you. But Lord, you see everything. You know my deeds, you know what I'm like when I leave this building. You know what I'm like in my home, in my workplace, with my family. You know my deeds, you know my heart. And so this church is challenged that they are lukewarm. They think that they're smug, they're well off, they're self-reliant. They say, I'm rich, I've acquired wealth and I do not need a thing. They've become lukewarm. And the saddest part is they haven't even noticed it. There's been a creep in their church, starting off loving Jesus, following him wholeheartedly, and they've crept further away from Jesus, and they've not noticed it. Jesus doesn't say anything positive about this church. It's the only one. He doesn't commend them for something. He just says, you're lukewarm. And yet, we contrast that with Jesus. They're self-reliant, 
They're holding on to all that they can do in their own strength. And yet Jesus says this. Sorry, God the Father says this in Romans 8. He who did not spare his own son, but gave it for us all. That's the contrast. God the Father gives it all to us. He doesn't try and do it in his own strength. He says, here, here's my son. He gives himself for you. Jesus himself showed his love and compassion on us by giving his life on a cross. It says in Mark 10, for even the Son of Man didn't come to be served, but to serve and gave his life as a ransom for many. What a contrast of God the Father giving his Son, God and Jesus himself giving his life for us. And my response should be like that of Romans 12 when I hear the good news of Jesus that says, in view of God's mercy, I want to offer my life as a living sacrifice that's holy and pleasing to God. This is my true and proper worship. So what state am I in today? (laughs) What state are you in today? What state are we in as a church? Are we lukewarm? Are we tepid and bland? Do we feel like we're just clogged up with minerals and sulfur that makes us useless? Have we become warm and tepid? Have we drifted from the Jesus that we first said we know and love? Am I self-sufficient and proud, thinking that I'm wealthy enough to manage on my own and I don't need Jesus? Lord, forgive me. Lord, have mercy. If I've strayed from you, if I've become lukewarm. I told you this was challenging. It's challenged me this morning. And these are the words of Jesus speaking to us. And so, there is some good news coming, but it's not coming yet. (laughs) So we've got to hang in there. The answer is coming. But at the moment, Jesus has got more to say to this church. Maybe more to say to us. He goes on to say, you need to be refined. Here's the church again saying, I'm rich and I've acquired wealth, but I don't need a thing. You don't, do not realise, this is Jesus again saying, you've missed it. You do not realise that you're wretched, pitiful, poor, blind and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in fire so that you can become rich and white clothes to wear so that you can cover your shameful nakedness and solve to put on your eyes so that you can see. This church is miserable, pitiful, and they can't even see it. It's so sad. Their self-preoccupation with self-sufficiency has caused them to be blind to their spiritual condition. The church at Laodicea saw itself as wealthy, just as the rest of the city was so wealthy, and didn't discern its own poverty. It's completely opposite to the church in Smyrna. Do you remember that one? Where Jesus says of them, I know your afflictions and your poverty, yet you are rich. Here, they're going, we're rich, we've got it all. And Jesus goes, no, you're poor, wretched and blind. And so what are the things that they need? Jesus says, I counsel you. I love that word, that sense of come to me, come on. Hear these words again from Jesus, come to me. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in fire. 
Now, this is one of the things I have been challenged about, how much rubbish TV I watch. <laughs> and one of the bits of rubbish TV I watch, which I really like, actually, is Aussie Gold Hunters. What a beautiful program that is. It helps me get my accent right, ready for holiday club. Come on, fellas. Yes, yes, got to dig some gold. So, Aussie Gold Hunters, the premise is basically this. Each time they go, oh, no, we're really poor, we can't find gold. Ah, oh, we found gold. Ah, oh, we're okay again. That's pretty much the episode every week. I love it. I love watching Aussie Gold Hunters. However, the bit I've learned and that helps with this passage is when they find this gold, these bits of dirty, kind of grey-like, bronze-like gold, it needs refining. They weigh it and they go, oh, it might be worth $50 or something. But put all those little nuggets together, refine it in the fire, pour it into a lovely gold bar, and suddenly its value shoots, it soars up. But the process takes time. It takes heat over 1,000 degrees centigrade to get that, get that raw gold melted, and then they pour it off, and then quite often they'll cool it down really quickly in water, and it gets rid of all the impurities. Or they keep heating it, knocking off impurities, heating it, skimming off the impurities. What a message for me in my life. Lord, would you heat me up? (laughs) Would you burn in my life again? Holy Spirit, come and burn up the rubbish that I look at, the things that I do, the way that I live, the words that I say. Burn that rubbish up, Lord. I'm fed up with it. Do a work in my life. Transform me, I pray. That's what Jesus is saying to his church. He's saying, come on, come and buy from me. Stop buying the rubbish around you. Stop getting sucked in by the world you live in. Come to me, the one that can bring pure gold, a wealth that will last and will not just fade away. What else does he say to come and buy from him? To buy these fine clothes, fine clothes to wear, that will cover up your shameful nakedness. The people of the time were strutting around, if you remember I said, in this sort of, their gold llama, their sort of wool llama jackets, strutting about, looking amazing, saying, look, we've got our wealth from this black cloth and the black wool. He said, no, I'm going to clothe you. Isn't this amazing? I'm going to clothe you in white. That sign of purity, that sign of holiness, often used in baptism. I remember my friends getting baptised in white robes, that sign of new birth and new life. Clothe me in white. Cover up my nakedness, Lord. Give me your fresh robe. May I not try and cover up my own shame and sin. Lord, I come to you. Would you clothe me afresh? Would you purify my heart? And the last thing he says to come to them for is to this ointment that goes on their eyes. They've been trying to fix themselves with their own medicines and things. I'm not having a go at medicines here, don't hear me wrong. But what I am saying is they were trying to do things in their own strength again. And yet Jesus says, come to me. You think you can see now? Come, let me anoint. That's the word that's in there, the Greek word. Not just to put, but to anoint you with this oil that you would see. Lord, anoint me afresh this morning. Lord, anoint us as your church. Give us eyes to see maybe our lukewarmness. (laughs) 
Lord, give me eyes to see your kingdom, your ways, Lord. Jesus says this, For judgment I have come into this world so that the blind may see and those that see will become blind. Jesus is speaking to the Pharisees here, those that think they can see already, but he's actually saying, no, you've missed it. Just like he's saying to the Laodiceans, they think they can see, but they've missed it. But Jesus has come so that the blind would see. Lord, open my eyes. This is a similar message to the church at Sardis, isn't it? This is a wake-up moment. It's been a wake-up moment for me this week. Maybe we need to hear those words again. Wake up. You who are spiritually poor, naked, humiliated and blind. Wake up. Come to Jesus. The one who makes us rich in Christ. The one who gives us white robes of holiness. The one who anoints our eyes that we would see his kingdom. And lastly, here comes the good news. <laughs> I'm sorry if this feels like you're being got out. It's not me. I'm trying not to be got out. I've been got out this morning as well as I've read this. And sometimes the Lord wants to convict us and say, come on, there's more. And here it comes. Here's the more. Jesus says this. I stand at the door and knock. This is the good news. And yet, still in verse 19, he says these words. Those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline. So be earnest and repent. Amazing words, those in verse 19. And sometimes my default is to see the negative bits. I see words like rebuke and discipline and be earnest. Oh, must try harder at this point, Lord. I must repent. But actually, did you see these words? Those whom I love. (laughs) There it is. That is it. Matt was telling me the other week that actually it's very few times in the Bible that we hear the words that Jesus loves us. But this is one of them. Those whom I love. Why is Jesus being so hard on this church in Laodicea? Because he loves them. He doesn't want to leave them like that. He doesn't want to leave them lukewarm. He doesn't want to leave me lukewarm. He loves me. He loves you. He loves creatures. He loves his church. He doesn't want to leave us in that same state. And so, because of his love, he says, come on. Come and be transformed. Come and walk with me. Come and be changed by me. He challenges us to come to him. To be earnest and repent because he first loves us. We want to repent, we want to turn, we want to run into the arms of Jesus. Again, Romans 12 says this, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve that God's will is his good and perfect will. Jesus wants us to be transformed. And he does that through these amazing words, saying, here I am. I stand at the door and knock. 
If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and I will eat with that person and they with me. What amazing words. Often we hear the first bit, don't we? Here I am, I stand at the door and knock and we pause there. And it's a great evangelistic message, isn't it? Jesus standing at the door, knocking. But interestingly, although I've heard that many times, inviting people to come and give their life to Jesus, maybe for the first time. Interestingly, it's written to the church, to God's people. Jesus is stirred at the door of our lives, of those that are following Jesus, saying, here I am. I stand at the door and knock. Are you going to let me in? What do you mean, Jesus? We're your people. We've already let you in. Surely we have. Maybe. (laughs) Maybe not. Maybe I've opened it a little bit and I've pulled pulled it back and gone, thanks, Jesus, I believe in you, but I'm not opening the door fully to you. I've closed it again. I love this picture by Holman Hunt. It's titled Light of the World. I've put it up there in the balcony as well as a picture. You can move it around. It's been in my office since I moved in. I think Matt left it for me and it's been great. It is Matt's. He'll want it back at some point. But what a great image this is. And if we'd have had more time, I'd have gone through it and gone, ah, do you notice things about that picture? What do you notice? Do you notice the weeds growing up at the door? That door's been shut a long time. You notice that the light is coming, this sense that the dawn is coming, that time is now, our time is now, the light is coming, the day is arriving. The fact that Jesus has got these little stones and beads, the sign of priesthood, he's got this crown of thorn on his head, so he's priest, but he's our servant king. His feet are there as he knocks on the door, he's, the door's there, but his feet are almost going... I'm starting to turn. I'm I'm here. There's a time. Lord, today, if we hear your voice, may we open the door and let you in. And the one that we often hear at Alpha Course is there's no handle on that door as well. Jesus can't open the door. The handle's on the other side. We need to open that door. We need to say, Jesus, you are welcome. Come on in. I need you, Lord. Jesus is asking me and you to open the door. And he says, when you open the door, what's he going to do? He's going to come and eat with me. He's going to come and eat with you. Not talking about a quick snack here. Other versions say, I'm going to come and sup. I'm going to come and dwell. I'm going to come and inhabit your home. I'm going to spend all evening hanging out with you, doing life with you. Isn't that a lovely image? That when we open the door to Jesus, he dwells fully in our lives. Lord, I want that. I want to hang out with you more, Jesus. I want to be fully in your home. Jesus, you're welcome in my home, is my prayer too. Just as Jesus promises that he will come and eat with us, he also says, I'm going to come. They are going to come and eat with me too. Lord, where are you now? You're at the right hand of the Father. And you've promised that you, I'm going to come and be with you. I'm going to come and eat with you for eternity. What a gift, what an honour, what a privilege. But we need to open the door. We can say no to Jesus. We can stop what the Spirit's doing. He's a loving, 
God, a loving friend. He's not going to force his way in. And so Jesus says, you're welcome, but we need to open up. We need to go, Jesus, I'm lukewarm. I'm neither hot nor cold. I'm tepid. I'm sorry, Lord. The only cure for lukewarmness is this, says Dr. G. Campbell Morgan. What a great name. The only cure for lukewarmness is the readmission of the excluded Jesus. Say that again. The only cure for lukewarmness is the readmission of the excluded Jesus. We don't want to be lukewarm this morning. We need to say, Jesus, you're welcome. I've heard the knock on the door. I've heard your call. Open my life. I fully give my life to you afresh. And maybe there are some people here that are hearing that knock for the very first time. Maybe there's someone here that goes, Jesus, you're calling me to follow you for the first time, to repent, to turn, to put my trust and my hope in you. If that is you this morning, come and speak to me. I'd love to pray with you and say, Jesus welcomes you today. And for those of us that are lukewarm, the only thing we can do is say, Jesus, you're welcome. Come and change my life. Come. Jesus says, come and buy gold that's been refined by the fire. Come and buy clothes that are white. Receive that fresh anointing. Come and receive sight for his kingdom. Jesus stands at the door and knocks. He wants to come and eat. He wants to have communion with me. We need to open the door and let Jesus transform our lives. Amen. going to give you a moment just to be quiet maybe look again at that picture maybe just imagine Jesus stood at that door knocking saying here I am stand at the door and knock what would you say to Jesus this morning If you're able, I'd just like you to stand as we just pray together. And I'm going to use some of the words on the screen as a prayer. So if you're able, please stand. Thank you. This is a great... Well, it was great. In the 90s, this was a great song. And it is based on Revelation 3. And I'd like us just to maybe read it. There's a prayer. I'm going to read it and maybe your response is yes. Light the fire again. This is the words of this song. Don't let my love grow cold. I'm calling out. Light the fire again. Don't let my vision die. I'm calling out. Light the fire again. You know my heart, my deeds. I'm calling out. Light the fire again. I need your discipline. I'm calling out, light the fire again. And the chorus goes, 
I'm here to buy gold, refined in the fire, naked and poor, wretched and blind, I come. Clothe me in white, so I won't be ashamed. Lord, light the fire again. Lord, may that be our prayer this morning. Would you light the fire again in our lives, where we become lukewarm. Holy Spirit, light the fire in our lives, I pray. Jesus, we welcome you afresh. Come into our lives, come into our church, come into our homes, our street. Jesus, have your way amongst us, I pray. Forgive us where we've done stuff in our own strength, our own wealth, our own wisdom. Jesus, we need you. Transform us, change us. Set a fire down in our souls, Lord. Please, we pray. Maybe as we sing this song together, your prayer is, Lord, set a fire in my heart again. Maybe you want to open your hands up to the Lord as we sing, or maybe you just want to hear these words wash over you. But make that our prayer this morning. We say, come Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit. Set a fire in our lives afresh. Holy Spirit, forgive us. We turn to you. We repent. We say sorry. We come afresh. We come to you, Jesus, the one who knocks and welcomes us in. Come, Holy Spirit, set a fire, I pray, in our lives. Come, Lord Jesus. Sing or listen to these words, but as we do, just say to the Lord, set a fire. Lord, change my life. Stop me being lukewarm. Set a fire afresh in me, I pray.